Hello, everybody, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori. And I'm Anna Redberg. And today's movie, or tonight's movie, yeah. we're actually recording this at night, which is unusual. We'll see how this goes. We'll see, we'll see how, how this, this goes. goes. A nighttime recording. A nighttime recording, which is appropriate yes. for the opening of Spooky Movies Month. That's right. And our first spooky movie is The Shining, a adaptation, I guess my understanding is loose adaptation, of a Stephen King novel. Yeah. I obviously haven't read the novel. I'm not a Stephen King I actually King have reader, read but. the novel, but it was so long ago. I went through like a Stephen King phase when I was in my teens. Ah. And uh, I read a lot of his books, but I just don't remember it at all. I don't think I've literally ever read a Stephen King novel for some reason. I probably should. They're they're fun. They're very digestible. They just, yeah. they're, they're, they're fun. Anyway. Yes. This is my nth time seeing this movie. I've probably seen this yeah. movie like five or six times, but I, I gather that this is uh, somewhat new to you. You've think, seen it once before. I but... think this is my second time seeing it. And I, I, the first time it was a, it was a while ago. Okay. So this is a very memorable movie, right? Yes. Um, and so there's even a lot if you of, haven't seen it, you probably it, have yes, seen yes. many references to it. Yeah, uh, it's or, sort of a part yeah. of like the cultural consciousness yes, it at is. this point. So even though it's been a long time since I've seen it, I still remember certain parts really, really well. Although there's still parts that I don't remember so well. So seeing it again, and you know, it's really intense. Right. Like, even though, you know, sort of what's going to happen if you've seen it before, it's just so well executed um, that it's just it's really intense. Like my heart rate was like elevated. <laughs> I could feel it at the end, at the end, especially in the maze and stuff. I think this movie is just so perfectly tuned, like the editing, the the shots, like the actual visuals of it, the compositions, the imagery is fantastic. Um, the sound effects, like the sound design and the music choices, the audio is a huge part of the experience of this movie. Yes. It's almost as important or not more, if not more important than, than the visuals for like cueing emotional sort of like your feelings, I think. Um, they work together extremely well. Yeah. And that's uh, like, for me, yeah. that's like the most striking thing about this movie is just like, it's such a cohesive, well-constructed piece of art. And that's sort of a Kubrick thing, I think, especially in his uh, in 2001. It's that similar feeling of like this well-constructed work of art kind of thing. Well, you you really see the I would almost say like the evolution of this the sort of style yes. that's in 2001 yeah. in this movie to me because in a lot of ways some of the things in 2001 are a lot more spare. Or reserved. Yeah, yeah. And in this movie, it's kind of like the turned up to 11 version of all of that. Yeah. The visuals in this movie are just absolutely outstanding. Yes. Uh, it's it's better looking even than I remembered. I remembered it looking pretty good. It's stunning. But yeah. I don't think uh, I'd seen it on modern TV technology. I think, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yep. You know, I, I saw it, the first time I saw it was actually in a theater. It was in the Egyptian theater in Seattle. Oh, on Capitol Hill, yeah. Um, on Capitol Hill. And it's kind. It's not a great theater and it was probably yeah. not a great print. Yep. Uh, but it was, you know, it was great to see it on the big screen. I'm sure obviously, that would be but a really great theater movie. But watching it this time, yeah. the the picture like quality was really good. <laughs> and so when you just get to look at some of these shots, and it's just absolutely stunning. I mean, there's 
so many of them that you lose track. Like, I can't walk you through all the great shots of this movie because they're just back to back. Like, they'll go from some absolutely beautiful shot to some other absolutely beautifully yep. framed shot. Yep. And, you know, some of them are just so creative, too. Like, yes. there's a shot, one of the ones I remember being so unintuitive. Uh, there's actually a couple, but one of them is they start shooting this floor mm-hmm. and Danny is playing on the floor with his trains. Yes, yes, yes. And the and ball rolls in. And it's this weird, like, pattern mm-hmm. on the rug, mm-hmm. which presumably, like, they didn't go find that rug and put it in the shot. Like, presumably, like, they noticed this about the location and said, oh, yes. we can make this really interesting. And they just... The way the camera moves and mm-hmm. that pattern moves, it's just so incredible. There's so, incredible. Many, the ca- so uh, many bold and interesting yes. like camera movements in this movie. They do a lot of really like super quick zooms yeah. that are like really jarring and strange, yeah. but like super effective. And the um, wonders, there's so many shots yes. where they're just walking towards you or away yep. from you. The famous uh, the ro- big yep. wheel kind of shot yep. Uh, thing. Yep. And taking his time, like he really like stretches things out and builds up tension so well. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. There's some things about the movie I don't like. There's a lot of things about the movie I do like. Uh, And actually, even though I think it's a beautiful movie visually, and I do think that, you know, it's got that really good, like, as you pointed out uh, earlier before we started, it's a classical score. Well, because I I really high quality music. Because I didn't, so I didn't know that, like, going into it this time, because I didn't really... I just didn't remember anything. Yeah. Going into it, I didn't know at first that it was it was much like 2001. Yeah. Um it was classical composed stuff, but pretty yeah. quickly I was like, "Whoa, who's yeah. doing this music?" And then at some point like some Ligeti started playing yeah. and I'm like, "Okay, this has to be like who else is this?" Right, right, right. <laughs> um and yeah, it's just that kind of music is so it's so well used in this movie throughout like He's, I mean, he's not just using Ligeti. He was using, I mean, Bartok was a, a big yeah, one yeah, that yeah, he was using. Yeah. He's using like a lot, a bunch of different sort of classical or more modern, I guess, composers too. And, uh, and he just, it's like, it's all so expertly placed and edited together. And, and it's just remarkable. What I was going to say though is, despite all of that, yeah. I actually find that my favorite part of this movie is actually the story structure. Honestly. Interesting. Okay. Um, And the reason for that is I find it incredibly hard to find movies that are actually like psychologically satisfying in the, uh, it's not really horror necessarily, but this is, this movie like sits kind of halfway in between a suspense and a horror movie. There are some horror elements, but it's more on the suspense side probably. I think it's it's kind of doing a little bit of that like Hitchcock thing. Yeah. Um. Although it goes a little bit more into the horror with the with some of the there's blood and guts and you yeah. know there's you know gory imagery mm-hmm. right so it's it's kind of like in between. Yep. But it's really hard to find a movie like that that does like the really subtle kind of almost like a boiling the frog kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they really, it's not about having a few scary moments. Right. It's about this really slow, like psychological, like grind. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. it just feels more and more unsettling with every passing scene. And yep. I just feel like the writing, like 
in terms of dialogue, maybe isn't necessarily fantastic, but in terms of structure, this movie just works so well for me. It it goes into everything in just the right sort of slow kind of puts you in the mindset that, I don't know, I... I I find it really hard to find that in another kind of like horror or suspense movie. Oh, totally. There's very few. Kubrick is great with the, we've talked about the surrealness thing before on the podcast and how something like 2001 does like surrealness really well. Yeah. And this movie also does surreal and like, it's 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 like nightmarish imagery. Yeah. Really, really well. I mean, the, obviously, the two the little girls and stuff. For me, the most striking imagery is probably the the elevator doors opening and the blood. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's so horrific and like visceral and just like intense. I don't. They actually film that. It, it's you know like somehow. Yeah, I was wondering what they <laughs> like, did for those things. Did they build a little so set real. or like, something? I, I mean, to do with it, I don't know. But um. Just yeah, throughout nightmarish imagery. The other would the the scene that I think is just so fantastic is that the woman in the tub, the old woman, like oh, right. the the imagery there yeah, is just yeah, like yeah. oh, it's so horrifying. Well, so I don't know what what we should really dive into here first. I guess what I would say is looking at talking about the story structure a little bit mm-hmm. because I think that one is it's a little more subtle. This is basically just a movie about domestic violence. Yes. Which I think is really, um, which is both my biggest compliment and my biggest complaint with the movie because actually, as we'll get to later in the the few things about this movie I actually don't like, I feel like it does some things that feel like it kind of undercuts what could have been Hmm. an almost perfect screenplay in my opinion. Okay. Um, But that's kind of later at the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the outset... I feel like this movie does an absolutely amazing job of giving you kind of an unsettled picture, yes. like a, an unsettling, I should say, picture of their family life. Yes, yes. There's that uh, lady who comes to their house mm-hmm. and is just calmly talking with the mother about, like, the child. And yeah. she's kind of doing the standard, like, child psychology thing of just, like, asking the mother about a few different things. But then she's like, oh, how did he dislocate his arm or whatever? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. She, you know, one of the things I think Shelley Duvall really does just beautifully in this picture is when she tells that story to the camera. Yeah, yeah. She seems to just absolutely nail, like, that feeling of someone who's trying, who themselves is worried about a thing, but is trying to to convince themselves and the person they're talking yeah, to that yep. it's okay, yes. which is very domestic violence victim feeling, yes. right? It, yep. it has this kind of like, it, she just really captured it. I, I really thought it was very well done yeah. where you believed there was no like, there was no like by the book acting. It just felt really authentic yeah. to me. And that it just puts this, this subtle fear yes. in you yep. because you know if someone said that to you, you would now be worried, right? You're like worried about this this person yep. uh, and and her child. So I loved that sort of setup. And I also thought that uh, Jack Nicholson, kind of in the opening too, yes. does a really good job of coming across as that kind of a DV perp kind of guy. <laughs> They're not immediately obviously a scumbag, right? But there's this mm. there's sort something of something off. About off them. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know what I mean? He plays that so well in this movie. He does. And and like you say before the boiling the frog, like the the ramping up of 
of the insanity sort of of him is like so well done. Um, yeah. And and uh, he he's like the facial ex- the facial expressions and how he switches so quickly. Yes. Um, it's just like it all comes together to just work so well because yeah, like you feel so intensely. The fear that she's feeling. Yes. At all times. Yes. Um, you're so there with her. And that's, I mean, uh, it's in the writing, but it's also, t- it's the filmmaking is, and I think the music is a huge part of it. Well, and the performances. The performances, um, the music. But yeah. That's what I say. It's just, for me, it's like hard to even single out one thing because it yeah. all works so well together. Yes. You get you get intense feelings watching this movie, right? You yes. you're you're totally in it. Well, and also it it feels very visceral like yeah. you kind of feel like you are trapped in this hotel yes. with this psychotic guy, yeah. right? And you know, that is what this movie needed to do to succeed and it just absolutely yeah. does it. And um you know, this is one of those things where I feel like I would love to just spend a few days like analyzing shots because yeah. because you could you could just you go could. through every single shot every single single scene because this movie also does something that I complain about you've probably heard me complain about it on this thing I think I complained about it during Dune mm-hmm. I, I know I've complained about it multiple times modern movies feel small when mm-hmm. I am in a mm-hmm. room in a modern movie the room feels very small mm-hmm. it's a small room with like not much you know, mm-hmm. it's just this very odd feeling. And this movie feels huge. Yeah. When you are in that hotel, you feel the expansiveness of the place. And that's not just about creating a good shot. No. This is supposed to feel isolating and intimidating and like you are alone there. And it yeah. really works. Yeah, because you, you get that you get that feeling of there's no help coming for you. You know, there's no there's. There's nowhere you can sort of hide. There's sort of this, this And this hotel is massive, is so who knows what's there? Who knows what's Anything hiding? could be in yeah. there, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And so I just feel like the, the whole, yeah, that whole thing just all works together yeah. extremely well. And there are so many good, uh, you know, punchlines in this thing. The when she finds the papers and just all oh, says, yep. "All work and no play uh, makes Jack a dull boy." Right? Like there are so many good things like that where that that's not a jump scare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just a piece of paper with some words written on yeah, it, yeah. but it it fills you with so much dread. Oh man! Because the yeah. whole time, if you've never seen this movie before, you might think he's actually working. Right? 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 right. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's just so good. Yeah, I feel like. I don't know that this is a criticism, but one thing I was thinking about. So at the end, Wendy starts, she actually sees some of the the hotel stuff. Yeah. And I think that's, I, that was like the only thing in the movie that I, I think I didn't like because yes. I feel like without that part, if you remove that part, it can just be a story about... A, a father and a son who both have like schizophrenia, right? And are both like hearing voices and seeing visions and stuff. You, and um, you have literally said the thing that I was going to say. Oh, look at that! Yeah, yeah. Look at that! Um, because it's I'm sure this is a Stephen King thing too, like the the sort of fantastical element, right? Yes. Um, and as much as I love the last shot of like you've always been here, and maybe you could even still have that. You probably could still have that, right? Like. That the sort of him in the picture yes. from the twenties, um, because that's I, that's a, just a, such a classic ending. But but I do I I do think 
if you left that part out, you could interpret it either way, right? You could interpret it as this is actually like a, a mystical, fantastical experience, or this is just some some people with mental illness. That is, like you literally said, up even that last sentence is exactly what I was going to say. Wow. My big complaint about this movie is that up until about the last 15 minutes, it's it could just be a way of of uh personifying yes. domestic violence exactly. in a in a or not personifying not just domestic it's, violence but, you know what but I'm saying. it's domestic violence and like mental illness and mental illness and it has this kind of beautiful way of showing you that delusion yeah, and yeah and especially making like, it as scary as it really like, is you know, you know the scene uh, when he first sees the bartender yes like that cut to when it turns yes. around and you see the bartender it's like incredible right that's an incredible yes. reveal a incred- incredible moment and if you interpret the movie this way then like it could be entirely in his head. It could be real. You never, you, you could. Yes. And, and there's something kind of really nice about that. And I, I just don't like how solidly it comes down yeah. on the side of supernatural exactly. because it's not that I necessarily think that there's anything wrong with that decision in the abstract. It's that I don't see what you get. You lose a tremendous amount in the right. ambiguity that exactly. you could have had. Exactly. Yeah. But what did you gain? I mean, a couple shots of some skeletons. It's just not very good. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's not good enough to warrant that. It's it's yeah, because it doesn't add anything. Uh, she's already seen like enough to to be terrified, right? I mean, yes. she's she's literally just been attacked. Yes, with a, with her husband with an axe, like you know, slamming breaking through the door in in one of the most intense yes. scenes. I mean, that scene is incredible. It's there's a reason it's one of the most classic scenes. Um, the, yes, just insane. And um, I feel like I mean, I love a guy in a pig mask and an, an open butt suit as much as anybody. I believe know. me, <laughs> but you could have had Danny see those as he ran yes, through. You yes. could have done something else. If you really needed to have that shot in there, if you was like, I'm not giving the shot up, just just don't have uh, Shelley Duvall's character yeah. do that, right? And so that to me has always been, it was, it was like one of my greatest disappointments when I watched this film for the first time. Mm. That part, I was like, oh man, like... I th- I thought it was doing this other thing this whole time yeah, and yeah. like it's not and that kind of let me and down the, and and that really removed, bummed me out a little bit. Here's the question I have if they remove that those just cuz it is just those those like two little or two or three moments. Do you still do the ending with the photo? I wouldn't so I I realize that's that's famous. It's tough because it's I like it's a it's a satisfying ending but it's like it's also it undercuts. It's like doing that thing we just talked about. So I don't know. It's a tough call. I don't call. know that it is a satisfying ending. Like, I don't care about it. I realize other people obviously like it. I just don't see what it adds. Like, okay, there's a guy in the picture. What? Like, it's not interesting that he's in that picture. Like, what does that mean in terms of meaning for the rest of the movie or reasons why I would mm-hmm. reinterpret mm-hmm. this movie or come away with a different feeling about it than I was going to? Yeah. It adds nothing. Yeah. Like, you've already shown me the fact that he's either delusional or actually experiencing being back there. Okay, he's in the photo. Big deal. So to me, yeah, I mean, if people love that shot, okay, nothing I can do about it. But to me, I don't even like that shot. I don't get the point. Yeah. I love I love the physical shot, yes, meaning yes. I love what it looks like when they yep. come in on that wall of pictures. Yep. 
but I don't feel like the actual information content in the shot actually is very good. It's I'm I'm like nah, like okay. Yeah, because I think I think as fun as it, it's a fun idea, definitely a fun but idea. But one that is but, not really relevant to the movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, it's almost like I wouldn't say tacked on because the movie did commit to that ending, right? It it did it did commit to like okay, no, it's it's. It's not. It is supernatural, right? It kind of commits. Yeah, to that. it commits one hundred percent. So it, it to totally works in the movie as it is. Um, but the question is just, yeah, like, is that is that the best version of this movie? I don't know. Um, uh, so to to me, I just, and you know, it's it's an extra bummer because you're never going to make a movie this good again of this, right? So it's not like it can ever really be done that way because this movie looks as good as the, no movie's ever going to look this good doing this thing. Mm-hmm. So to me that was always just the biggest letdown because I was like, "Oh my god, this movie would have been absolutely amazing for me." Mm-hmm. Uh and it it like literally in the last 15 20 minutes just decided not to do that and yeah. it, it and I just wish it hadn't have done that. And it's at the end of the day, it's um, it's not the end of the world right. because the movie still works extremely well. The, all the emotions are still there. The yeah. feelings are still there. The and there is a little bit you would have had to have done if you did it. Like, like he probably can't really have the bruises on his neck uh, unless you actually do want to kind of intimate that the father actually did do that. Uh, or he did do or, it to himself because the voice told him, told him to, to or, or something. You know. So, you know, maybe you'd have to patch over a little bit of that. But, but that and how, uh, like... I'll point out when um, Jack Nicholson is locked in the store yeah. storage cabinet, they go so far as to never showing how he actually gets out, which to me, again, is sort of like leaving it open to interpretation. Like maybe there was another way to get out of there that he figures out. Or he, he somehow right? was able to break out. He broke He's somehow the able to break out or he somehow finds another thing that's a way you can get out of there or whatever. It's unlikely, but maybe, you know, they're still holding out hope as opposed to showing the door open, right, and the other guy standing there as if the supernatural thing opened the door, right? So a lot of the movie can be interpreted both ways up until that last 20 minutes where right. it's just like, okay, there's no other way to interpret this now. Yeah, right. and and I, it's, I don't want to make it sound like this is some sort of major complaint or anything. Obviously, like, the movie is is really fantastic, and I still... Like there's there's aspects of those scenes that I still really like. Like I like being able to have it be supernatural too, right? I just the ambiguity would have been nice, but like because eh. I mean, let, let's be clear, it's still supernatural either way. Like the shining part is supernatural, sure, yeah. right? Like that. I mean, he, you know, how did he uh, communicate with the cook? I mean, yeah, you know. Well, the cook could have just so. had a bad feeling about it and got worried when he heard about the snowstorm. And, and but I mean, the cook literally has a conversation with him no, and no, talks totally, totally, about it. Totally. So you know, so it wouldn't be like it wasn't a heightened reality movie. Sure, it's just you, you know, that it could have been confined to the part that isn't about the, you know, the the going crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, but but yeah. ignore that, yeah, because that's I, I don't that's wanna... a missed potential. It's a different thing. And honestly, I'd say that's the only the only mild criticism I would have of this movie. Otherwise, it's just glowing accolades from me. I have a couple other criticisms of it, uh, but they are pretty mild. Yeah. Uh, one is that I feel like in a couple places, I did think some things were a little uneven. Okay. Um. The scene where Jack Nicholson 
is talking to the bartender mm-hmm. uh, the first time the first, okay. about the, he didn't hit the kid. That's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Or, or not doing, like it's not hitting, but he didn't uh, strang- you know, try to choke the kid or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right? I felt like he aired a little bit into silly too much. Okay. It was yeah. just not like it's a tough thing to do because he's really doing this kind of weird on edge behavior the whole time. And so, you know, it's granted it's tough. Yeah, and, it, and, and he pulls and, it off most of the yeah, time. Yeah, because it comes it comes across as creepy, like instead of like that, the, his sort of like faux <clears throat> lightness and goofiness that he's sort of doing just comes across as like very creepy in the context of everything. In but in that particular scene, I didn't feel like it did. Okay, right, it didn't quite land for me, and I felt like. Uh, What's his name? Tur- Turkle, the the bartender guy, mm-hmm. is, is is he was an actor. Someone on the movie club pointed out that uh, he was in the he was in um, yeah. What do we see him in? Uh, Paths of Glory. Is he really? He, well, he's also he's Tyrell. I was gonna say he's he's, he's Tyrell in Blade, and Blade Runner, Runner. Yeah, but but uh, he was in Paths of Glory. Apparently, I think that's what he said. Oh, the the the, the one who. Um... Oh, the one so. who they has to be shot when he's because uh, he, he. I think gets, so. He, yeah, uh, you can see it sort of hits its big. Yeah, he's younger. Right? He's younger. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, but anyway, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, it was so. Oh, he's really creepy. Great. I mean, he's. Yeah. I think his casting as Tyrell is the same. It's, yes. It, it has that same really eerie it, it feeling. It's pretty to great. It. Yeah. But I just didn't feel like Jack Nicholson brought it in that scene. It was just I don't know. It wasn't working for me. In a lot of the other scenes, though, it works flawlessly. The scene in the bathroom where, like, the uh, butler is basically telling him he has to kind of, like, not explicitly kill his family, but, like, that he Mm -hmm. has to kind of, like, beat them, basically. Like, he later kind of says you kind of have to kill them, Well, right? and, he's, and he's sort of but using the way of framing it as, like, the the way a domestic abuser would try to frame is, it. It's like you have to, like, teach them the right way is, to do like things. It is, like, you have to control to them, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's about keeping them in line, right? Yeah. And so I really thought that most of those other scenes really did creep me out. But just once in a while, mm-hmm. and you know, like I said, that's why I say it's a mild criticism because it's kind of amazing how good ever, all the rest of yeah. it is. Once in a while, I felt like it kind of fell out a yeah. little bit. And I and I love how dreamlike or nightmare like those scenes are. Um, oh God, it's amazing! It, and the colors, oh, like the ugh. red bathroom, and yeah. then the green bathroom, yep. and the weird like the color patterns of like stripes and stuff. The it's colors, just the so colors insane. throughout this movie are are garish and and so good. like almost nauseating at times, <clears throat> and and just that's why I say like everything in this movie sensorily, yes, contributes to like the feelings and. It, it's like insane. It's so crazy how it all comes together. I uh, I would say too like you know we're kind of bouncing all around but just on that sort of color blocking thing. Yeah. There is a shot in the beginning of this movie. It's it's in fact when the I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about I thought Shelley Duvall did an amazing job selling that kind of like Yeah. I'm trying to convince myself and someone else thing. Yes, yes. It's a hard thing to pull off and mm-hmm. she really did an amazing job I thought. But in that shot where she's talking to the child therapist or Mm -hmm, doctor mm -hmm. or whoever Mm -hmm. that person is, the shot of her sitting down Mm -hmm. in, like, the living room, Mm -hmm. like, go back and look at that shot. 
Because this is the kind of shot that if you were to see it today in a movie, it would just look like garbage. You look at that shot and it is amazing. Mm -hmm. The colors are gorgeous. She is in this outfit. It's like blue with like a red and the back is like this sort of cream tan color Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the focus is just so and she's just so in the shot and you're just like every little stupid last meaningless shot in this film looks gorgeous. I had another thought about that. There's a, so when the, um, the cook is on the phone, he calls the forest service And he's standing in a room and it's like all blue and then there's this lamp, this one yellow light from a lamp behind him. And it's just like, he's just making a phone call. And it's it's this beautiful shot. So well put together. The colors colors throughout this movie are just uh, so intentional and well thought through. Yes. You get your money's worth Mm -hmm. out of your TV watching a movie like this. I mean, to me, this is like... It just looks amazing. This is like just a masterclass in in movie making and filmmaking it's like for me anyway this is what movies at their best are sort of about for me it's like they're different from other art forms because they they combine visuals they combine sound they combine acting they combine all these different things together and when it all comes together really well um it's it's incredible so i felt like mentioning because we happened to just watch Paths of Glory, and I mentioned it in Paths of Glory. <laughs> the early fade-outs yeah, are still I, here. I had the same thought. I had the same thought. And, but in this in this film, because I was noticing... They're not as bad. Well, not only They're, are they, they not... They seem timed better. Not only are they not as bad, I think they are, they are part of the rhythm Maybe, of the yeah. movie. They are used strategically. Yeah, I don't know if perhaps. you because I was I I noticed this right away at the okay. one of the very first scenes when he's in his interview. There's not that many of them, but they're but there. But they're in certain yeah. parts of the movie and only certain parts. Yeah. Uh because there's a lot of them at the beginning in the interview and then there's more parts of them. It they they tend to be there a little bit more for when things are less surreal. I think because they're less jarring, they're softer, they're right they're they're they kind of let you flow from one scene to the next, and it's not too, you know, yeah. abrupt. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. So I noticed that I, much like you, I think because you had you had mentioned it in Paths of Glory, I did I noticed it as well. Yeah. and uh, because of that, I was sort of paying attention throughout, and it does seem like he uses them pretty consistently during certain types of scenes, um, and I think it's really effective because it it. In this movie, this... in Paths of Glory, it felt no, jarring. No, no, no. I mean, in, in this, this movie, movie, I think the editing in this movie is fantastic. Much better, and. Yes. And it's varied. Well, also, things. one has to imagine by 1980, the technology for editing movies is sure. drastically ahead of where it Absolutely. was with Paths of Glory as well. I feel so like you don't... some of that may just be his ability to see what it will actually do, right? And also, uh, I, I think there's also the thing of experiment. getting the coverage right, like having yes. people say the lines and like getting enough on each end yes. and, and all that too, um, yeah. I think. But. It does seem like that sort of fade out has sort of faded out. <laughs> of uh, I won't miss it, to be honest. I, it's not my favorite thing, but no. it's not a problem in this movie at all. It, it was in Paths of Glory. It was kind yeah. of drawing. In this one, it's not. But yeah. I noticed it because I was like, oh, it's, it's But in this movie, to me, in this movie, it felt like a choice, like a deliberate choice. It and I think been, because yeah. of that, it felt it felt seamless for the most part. Like it wasn't yeah. something that was like noticeable in a negative way. So uh, I wanted to mention a few uh I had a few couple of things I didn't necessarily like, but I wanted to actually mention something that I I really did like okay. uh, while we're kind of interleaving things here. And that is that, again, with the screenwriting, structurally speaking, mm-hmm. 
this movie does a fantastic job of letting you know all of the elements that are in play. And yeah. so that nothing ever catches you by surprise. It always introduces everything before it. Yes. Yeah. Except for something it wants to surprise you with. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I felt like that was, again, something that we never see anymore. Like nowadays, we wouldn't get any of that. Mm-hmm. We know at the beginning we're shown the locker. We're shown mm-hmm. the, like where he's going to get locked later, we're that shown, there is a locker. We're shown the like snow cat. We're shown the snow cat. We're shown the radio. We're shown the the various, like, you know, where the, the rooms are and all these other things. And so I feel like it does a great job of putting that all together. Mm-hmm. And the maze, obviously. The maze. And it does a good job of telling you why certain people would know certain things, too. Like, yeah. you'll notice <laughs> the reason probably that Danny is able to get out of the maze, get out of the maze is because he's been in it a bunch with his mom. Mm-hmm. Like, he, they were playing with, in it together, right? Yeah, so it's for him, it's less, it's... it's He knows his way around. Exactly. It's not, yeah. like, scary. <clears throat> yes. he, he's able to be... Because he's extremely clever in there, and you can kind yes. of buy it because he's yes. been in there before. I think if you... You wouldn't really buy it if it was just this kid suddenly in a maze yes. that he's able to be anything other than panicked. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, and so I think that stuff works really well. And similarly, like, you know, there's a reason why there's another snow cat because the cook comes in one. So that's why it replaces the one that wasn't there. Also, the both the villains and the hero, like the villain and the heroes, I guess I should say, other way around, pluralized, uh, are doing smart things. They're they're like like he's disabling the radio in the snowcat. Mm-hmm. Like she's trying to she gets her son out the window. She grabs the knife from the wall. She locks him in the mm-hmm. right. Like everyone is doing things sensibly as well. Yeah. Like nobody's just an idiot in this movie right, I think, either. I think Wendy there's she's doing a really great job of like appearing as as afraid as as someone probably would be in that situation. Yes. She's terrified yes but she also wants to survive and so she does what she has to do and i think it comes across like really authentically i think even though there's probably a part of you that like wants her to be stronger you know be be more powerful be braver but but at the end of the day i mean that's how most of us would be absolutely yeah yeah and i think it's really um it's it just it's an, an incredible performance and uh it it just it really just nails it i think that 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 balance between fear and and survival right well and i think that it also would undercut like i said this movie just does an amazing job of capturing that kind of like domestic violence exactly uh sort of triangle there in a way yep and it would undercut that sort of visceral feeling Mm mm-hmm if she was too strong. Right, because she's she's sort of, off the bat, she's she's a fairly submissive, yes. quiet kind of person. So you have to kind of believe it could go either way. Yeah. You, ha- you have to not know whether she can actually stand up to this or not. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the movie kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. So she plays it right down the middle, and, and I yeah. think that's perfect. And she never does anything that you don't believe she would do. It's so plausible exactly. this entire movie which is something you never say about like horror films or whatever it's yeah. so plausible the entire time mm-hmm. and feels very authentic for sure I was also going to say so a lo- when I was talking about the fact that I like the screenwriting like you're never surprised by anything unless it wants to be surprised I, I really want to point this out because this to me is absolutely brilliant okay. and you rarely see anything anything like this so when Jack Nicholson is he, you see him he hears the radio and like 
I just want to underscore how refreshing it is to see these kinds of things. I bring them up all the time when I'm talking about how, like, I always talk about how, like, you know, when we watch things like Dune, I'm just like, it's just garbage. Like, nobody wrote this. They didn't Mm -hmm. sit down at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just really want to point out, like, how much attention to detail is going on in these older scripts. They're incredibly detailed. Yeah. So think about this. In this movie, we get a scene where Shelley Duvall calls on the radio because the phone lines are down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That answers the question of why she can't call on the phone for help. So they've thought about that and they've explained why. Mm-hmm. She calls on the radio and the person on the other end of the radio said, well, you should leave your radio on then, right? Because we can't, con- mm-hmm. like no one can contact you. You should mm-hmm. leave your radio on from now on. So there's a reason and we've been told why later in the film he mm-hmm. will find the radio, Right? Because later in the film, mm-hmm. we see he coming, he hears the person trying to contact them on the radio. Yep. Right? Yep. Otherwise, why would the radio be on? Yeah. So then you see him disable the radio. Mm-hmm. You don't see him disable the snowcat. Right. Why? Because now you're not feeling, when you find out that the snowcat is disabled later, you are surprised by the snowcat, even though you saw the radio, because... They didn't want you to feel like you had the rug pulled out from under you, like when did he do that or something, right? But they did want to leave half of it unseen, so it like perfectly slits it down the middle. You know when he did that, but also you didn't know that he did the other half. Right. And so it's just, it's such good writing. Yeah. It's why everything in this movie doesn't feel like you just, oh, you just made that up out of nowhere. It's like, no, it's all deliberate, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's, so good. That's a really good point. And I think a lot of people might say like, oh, that doesn't seem that important. Like, I wouldn't care. But it's like these little things definitely, definitely add up. They add up. It's subconscious. He's not asking you to consciously compliment him for that. No. In the screenplay. It's there to make sure that you feel the shock, but not a sense of betrayal. Right. You don't feel like something was hidden from you like, oh, you you pulled a trick on me. Right. It's there to just let you know when he did it, but to also surprise you with it. Right. And And I think it's really well done. It puts you in the same place as the character. In in a real place where you believe these things happened. Right. And and that's it's about establishing that authentic belief that this is why those scenes add up. You don't know that happened when you watch this movie. You just feel feel that sense of genuine shock. Whereas in a normal movie, you don't feel genuine shock because you haven't been shown anything. This... Him disabling the snowcat is no different than anything else when you haven't been shown anything, right? Right. So it's like it's it's really that that beautiful weaving that kind of like makes it all add up yeah. to a real feeling, right? Well, and and as we said before too, like this movie, the experience of watching it, it feels like you are there. You are there with them. Yes. And all of these little details are a part of that. So I uh, wanted to mention a couple other things. So thing I didn't like, the title cards. Oh, that's at the beginning weird. of this movie, okay. there's weird blue scrolling titles <laughs> that say like The Shining and stuff. Okay, and they look terrible. Okay, what are those doing well, in this movie? The shot, the the opening shots are are amazing. They're yes, beautiful. but there's these weird like they look like something someone did on a VHS tape or I something. Mean, They're yeah, so bad. Whatever. Why are those? In this whatever. Film? It's fine. It's just the credits. All right. I mean, I wasn't even looking at them. I was just looking at the shots, so I didn't even yeah. really see them. <laughs> I wasn't really looking at the it, names. Very strange. 
maybe you had to be there in 1980 and they it's thought just, they were cool. I don't know. It's fine. Um, but what I was going to say is I also didn't love the uh, – at the end – I felt that there were a couple shots where Shelley Duvall was like overly hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, they all kind of happen in the part that I already don't like because it's with like the skeletons mm-hmm. and whatever haunted house kind of stuff is happening. So I kind of write that whole section off as just like, I wish this didn't happen in this movie. So she's actually the least of my concerns at that point. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I just, that part really bums me out. And I feel like she's also kind of just too ridiculous that point yeah, she's yeah. just kind of wandering th- like up the stairwell you know and, yeah, and it's, i don't know it just doesn't not, some of that may not even be performance i don't know if it's if it's like it doesn't even matter because like i said it's like it's in a part of the movie i wish didn't happen so it's hard to criticize her performance you know, because it's like well i wish this wasn't happening at all let alone her i also have one more thing i want to mention that i just thought of that i'm not sure how i feel about it i don't think i'm thrilled but i'm not sure okay um, especially having after having watched Gallipoli last week, if you listen to that podcast, you'll oh. know. Um, one of the last shots of this movie is like a weird freeze frame. Oh, yes, not good. And uh, much like with Gallipoli, I'm not a fan. I think I like it better. It's less jarring and bad. Because it's than... not as important to the movie. Exactly. But it's the, yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the cut to that and like the music cue, it's just, it's a little off. Um, somehow, and I don't, I I totally agree with you, and like I said, I don't nitpick the last 15 minutes, because I just wish they just never happened, right? (laughs) Like, like, there's probably other things. You feel stronger about it than I do, I guess, but, but, um. It's just, for me, it was just such a, a letdown, that's all I can say, um. And, you know, but I still love the rest of the movie, so when I watch it, I just kind of, like, I just turn my brain off for that part and pretend it never happened, but I love everything before Yeah, I definitely don't feel as strongly Um, about it as that, but. The the movie is so immersive. Yes. The whole time. You are locked in. It yeah. is you are absorbed yes. completely. And that shot right. rips you out of it, at yeah. least for me. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, it's true. And I think that's my problem with it a little bit is Yes, um, it's 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 it seems out of place. It's incongruous with the rest yeah. of how the movie plays because itself out. Because there's nothing inherently wrong with the kind of cut it is. Um there's jarring moments throughout this movie. It's just the Something about the timing of it, something about the freeze frame, something about it. It also doesn't really matter. Like, part of the problem is that at that part in the movie, it's not like a shock to us that he dies in the cold or something. Mm -hmm. The movie's acting like it is, but I don't know that it is. Something that was more like a fade to him, just frozen there, and then the camera like wonders back and does the shot into the. Look, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell Stanley Kubrick what to do. But he thought this was a good idea, though. So you, maybe you do have to. Is this like a '70s thing? I don't know. It might be. Um, Gallipoli I mean, it's was, not, this Gallipoli is 19, was. This is 1980, but it is the end, it's the is end it, of the '70s. Is it? I think really? so. I no think way. so. Is it really? I think it's is nine, it that I think, late. I think this is 1980. So it's it's still the '70s. Everything in the '70s aesthetic, because Aesthetically, you're, yeah, yeah, you're at the, the end of them. You haven't really started the '80s culture proper. But you know it's it's nineteen eighty. Okay, dude, Gallipoli, so. nineteen eighty one. This uh, maybe people been, were like freezing frames just, for some reason. I was kind of wondering because both of them felt like Gallipoli felt very much like a. It feels dated. It felt like a dated choice. This one feels um, the the one in The Shining doesn't feel as as like weirdly dated or something. But I do wonder if it was like maybe a kind of experimental thing that some directors were playing around with, like that kind of 
thing that we don't really do anymore and maybe doesn't hold up super well. Uh, it could be. But I really don't know. the fact that there are, there are two movies that we just watched in a row from about 1980 that did that is kind of interesting to me. I really don't know. Uh, like I said, it probably bothers you more than me, though, because like I said, I've already checked out mm-hmm. at that point. So I'm kind of like, well, yeah, And it's right, also, it's the very end of the movie. It is. Um, it is. And it's, they've already, it's the second to last shot. Like they've yeah. already escaped at that point. So the fact that he dies, as you just said, isn't it that. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a little wonky. It's a little wonky. So a couple of the things I really liked, well, just I just wanted to mention some subtle things. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely love, there's two shots that they both actually take place in the hotel bedroom, their, their bedroom. Mm-hmm. There's two shots in there that are just absolutely great. Uh, not as much for image composition because, you know, Everything in this movie is composed really well, so I don't know that you'd necessarily pick them out as standouts. But for just the idea of sort of having the frame say something semantic about the scene Mm -hmm. or just how you write. Yeah, yeah. So the first one is they do this shot where Danny comes into the bedroom and Jack Nicholson is sitting on the bed. Yes. It's very disturbing. Yes. And... It cuts to this shot where he is reflected in the mirror. So it's like Danny is like trapped between two Jack Nicholsons. Mm, Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah. the scene. It's just, it's the best use of a mirror I've ever seen in shot comp. Like yeah. it is just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And Danny has to walk towards the camera in between this these like two menacing Jack Nicholsons at the same yeah. time. It's yep. just it's just a brilliant shot. Yes, I absolutely loved it. Yep. Um, and the other one was an actual very similar shot. It's the same location. Danny is on the bed this time, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Shelley Duvall, like the, the mother, is like, "I'm going to go talk to your dad." Right? I'll just be right back. And yep. she's trying to be like you know not appear too afraid to her son, but she's terrified of him, uh, of Jack Nelson at this point. And they hold the shot as she's walking oh, out of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just, like, reaches over as quietly as she can and tries to grab the bat that's mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. so that he won't see her do mm-hmm. it, right? And I just thought that whole thing played out, like, so perfectly because it tells you just yep. completely visually yes. exactly what's going yep. on in her mind right yep. now without any dialogue, yep. right, Absolutely. Uh, to the to that effect. So yep. I loved that I mean, stuff. you could literally, you could go through every scene in this movie, uh, especially scenes at the hotel, and yes. pick them apart, like shot by shot, and yes. go through it and be like, this is why this is working so well. I also thought that the the little kid, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, but for, I think it's it's worth noting, child acting has gotten better on average, I think. Yeah. In those days, it was piss poor a lot of the time. <laughs> I just want to point that out. So I feel like this performance was really good too, because mm-hmm. it's a good performance from the little kid. And at a time when I don't know that there, you couldn't well, necessarily expect. And he's also that. very little, and he's in a he's very little. He has to do some like creepy stuff. He does, and I noticed I noticed certain elements of the acting from him were kind of impressive. Like for example, there's a shot 
where the you're it's kind of like a a reverse like a matched like a matched singles thing where they're like flipping back and forth between him on the bed mm-hmm. and the the doctor lady who's talking to him okay, he's yep. lying down and yeah, she's yeah. Like, they're just like flipping back and forth mm-hmm. and she says something like does tony ever tell you to do things mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and he like looks his eye motion he like looks to the side a little bit and then back and he's like i don't want to talk about tony anymore it really did a great job of being like capturing this little kid trying to figure out how he could get out of this situation because he didn't know like what to do. Mm-hmm. And again, it f- I don't feel like you get a lot of that from child actors in like 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. early 80s yeah. anyway. And so I really liked his performance too. In a lot of places, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think uh, I think considering you know, how difficult that would have been yes, for any for kid to kid. do, uh, I do think it so, was quite impressive. So I want to give him some props too. We talked about everyone else's acting. I do think, too, the you just mentioned that scene, like, in the bedroom um, at the beginning of the movie. And it's interesting, like, how, the, like, a lot of those scenes in the early part of the movie are very, the, the colors are much more, le- they're less saturated. There are a lot of, like, pale tans and whites and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. blue, like, soft blues. Yeah. And uh, those sections of the movie then contrasted with, like, the stuff in the, in the hotel yeah, is, yeah. is uh, pretty cool. I even love, like, I was just thinking about the scene you cut back to the cook for the first time. Yes. In lying on the bed. Yes. And his like bachelor pad. Yeah, but like the, the like, set right? the, the yeah. construction of those scenes and yes. just there's almost like um I feel like Wes Anderson must like like uh Kubrick because oh, yeah. in this movie in particular, um Kubrick does so many of the kind of shots that are like very symmetrical, straight on kind of images. Yeah. Um which is like Wes Anderson's whole thing, um, but they're they're extremely striking, and I just those there was such a humor to those the 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 way that the camera kind of yeah, like yeah. zoomed out yeah, yeah, and yeah. revealed stuff, um, and uh, and the symmetry of it, like the those lamps like perfectly framing the the scene. It was just like it was the, the beautiful shots, and and they kind of had a sense of humor too. It was it's very memorable. I kind of liked to the the way that um, at the beginning. I liked the the way the cook was played as you didn't know if he was friendly or not at first. Yeah. Right? So they were like, is is he like the creepy person or right. something? But then yes. it turns out that he's actually the friend yeah. who's like the only real chance these people have mm-hmm. uh, of, of getting out of here, right? Yep. I also thought this is a weird thing, but like there's a shot of his face when they're doing like a tele empathic link or whatever they're doing with the shiny yeah. thing. Is that the one when he's lying in bed where yes. it's like a close-up of his face and it zooms in and it's like it's super so intense. Good. It's so good. <laughs> I was sitting there watching it. I'm like, how did they get something that looks this good out of just someone's face? And I guess it's just how you light. Because it's just, that's it. It's just it's, his face. I think it's everything. It's it's the way it's that it's really lit. Good. It's the way that it's shot. It's the way, yeah. it's the music. It's just And it's the amazing. acting. It's, it's yeah. all coming together so, yeah, there was one thing I didn't like about the cook. Uh, well, it's not about the cook, but it was one thing that is sort of a unfortunate holdover from 2001. And that is sometimes, for some reason, Stanley really likes to have the entire conversation, even if there's no reason to have the entire conversation. So 
in this movie, the cook needs to rent a snowcat from his friend Mm -hmm. that he knows. (laughs) And it's like, in a normal movie, you only need to just pick up the phone and say like, hey, yeah, I'm trying to get up to the thing. Can you buy me a snowcat? And then cut. That's it. That's all we need to see. No, 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 no. I disagree. I disagree. I totally disagree on this movie. Well, in this movie, we have an entire conversation yes. about it. Yes. Why? Honestly, because of pacing. I think okay. it's the it's this movie is so strategic with its how it drags things along. I was even okay. when he's traveling, it's like it shows a long shot of like the plane landing. Like it's it's dragging it out, I think, intentionally. Because it's like, the, the, you feel like the, the time pressure, right? Of like, this stuff's going down at the hotel and he needs to get there. And for me, it's like, the movie does a really nice job of balancing the high intensity moments and then like the slower build up kind of moments. And for me, uh, I really like, I really like the I mundane. Didn't feel I like the, the intensity like, I like of the mundaneness shots, of it. It's like the contrast, right? The contrast to like the heightened crazy stuff that's going on at the hotel. And then you just have like real life normal. I mean, it's a conversation that he would have, right? It it's it feels so normal and mundane and and for me, I think that works really really well because it's like contrast. I didn't I mean, I just felt like it was kind of weird to have this whole conversation in there. I didn't mind that we saw his like traveling there. It's that all seemed reasonable. But like for example, on the plane, I saw about as much of the plane as I thought I should. The stewardess comes by and he's like, What time is it? And she's like or what time are we landing? It's like eight o'clock or eight twenty or something. I don't remember what she says, and that's it. This one it's like, no, there's several sentences. Like, but oh, I, what are you doing down there? Oh, well, actually, it's the people thing. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, I, re- I well, I need to get up there. Do you have a snowcat? Well, it's like, yeah, it. we got a snowcat. You're just like, wait, no, think what? About it. Think about it. I feel like it's like if he's asking for a snowcat to get up to the hotel, he's th- they're going to ask some questions about that. Yeah, but we don't need to see that. Like, it's like we watch him fill out the, the rental I dis- form I or really, something. I strongly it. disagree. I strongly disagree on that. I don't well, think I mean, it feels... you know, your disagreement is noted and, and ignored. <laughs> Great, good, thanks. I think you're wrong. Okay. I mean, I might be. (laughs) But it felt like a 2001 thing to me where, like, we get these things where, like, okay. It was not that long, though. The scientists are talking for 15 minutes in the space station about, like, whether there's a, you know, a a plague thing, a new pathogen has broken out. And it's just this very dry conversation that goes on for what feels like too long. I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree. I don't even know if I totally agree with your 2001 criticism. Because, like, I don't know. I think, so just to be clear, it's not like I don't think you could have a conversation there. It's just that conversation is extremely dry and just really not very interesting to watch, just like the one in 2001. And I think one of the problems with it is that it's like if somehow this is a really interesting scene all of a sudden, like, oh, there's some kind of like I enjoy the banter between the cook and the guy who runs the I don't know. It's an auto shop, I think, is what it was, uh, an auto body shop. But it's just it's not like it's just it's just kind of dead space. I just don't feel like I agree in this situation. I think it was it was all fairly yes, like necessary and useful. Information. Necessary. Well, I, I think I think I think it was having them talk about having having him sort of be like, "Oh, why do you need to go up there?" and all that. These are like things that he would plausibly be asked 
he had to rent a snowcat. It's like, well, that's a crazy thing you're going to do, right? Like, why do you have to do that? Um, so I don't know. I, I didn't have any problem at all with that. Well, uh, I can't think of anything else I really have to comment on the film. No, I don't, I don't think I have anything else either. Um, just really, really good. I mean, the music in particular, I thought was like insane. Um, the, the, the choices of music and, uh, like, I think it was the fear, the, the feelings you were getting, like the music cues, I think were a huge part of that, huge part of it. And not just music, but sound and and the combination of those things was like really intense in this movie um, in a way that I can't think of another. I can't really think of another movie. I think that the sound is as effective in it's it does feel like very sophisticated, like the sound does. There's like weird like there's like a was like a tea kettle whistle. 2001 did a lot of these things as well. Yeah. Um, the high pitched that really high-pitched sound, yep. the Getty stuff, yep. the dissonant stuff, the um, the heartbeat, or, you know, in the in the case of 2001, too, like the breathing and stuff, the sort of, like, bodily sounds yep. that are really unnerving. Um, so, yeah, this movie really knows how to, like, get in your head and, and freak you out. So there's a reason it's classic. <laughs> uh, it's probably Kubrick's best. I don't know. I mean, you could argue 2001's kind of... It's, I, it'd be really hard for me to pick... It's definitely but, my favorite of the movies I've seen by him, but there's a fair number of movies by him that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. I've seen maybe four of his films or something total, so not very many. Yeah. Um, and, but an incredible but director. But it's definitely my favorite <laughs> yeah. of his. Yeah. Uh, I, I much prefer watching this one to 2001, for example, even though I think 2001's quite good. Yeah. It just doesn't have the same kind of, like... I mean, I like characters and I like stories. Yeah, this one's a much more... And 2001 is a lot more, you know, distant. Yeah, this is a much Um, more, like, traditional kind of story and and film. And the moment... It has, like... You know, 2001 is a very slow-moving movie. And this has, like, a intense kind of pace. It's much... There's a lot more momentum to everything that's happening. So it's very different. Even though there's a lot of similarities, like, you can definitely tell they're directed by the same person. But, um... But yeah, the, the viewing experiences are very different. Well, uh, I don't anticipate we'll be seeing any movies in Spooky Month that are as good as this one. But I don't know because I guess I haven't seen. Do we know what the movies are of Spooky so Month? So next Anna week Ripper? is going to be yeah. Next week is going to be Psycho. I've never seen that. Which is yeah, I can't believe you haven't seen that. So I've not. Seen I mean, that. that's another absolute classic. And then after that, we're going to do The Witch. Haven't ever seen or that the either. Vivit, the Vivitch. The Vivitch. Uh, which I I know nothing about other than people say it's good, I guess. Okay. And then we're going to finish up with uh, with John Carpenter's Halloween. Okay, so basically The Shining is the only movie I've seen in this whole month. Yeah, it's going to be a good uh, so spooky So this month. will be three new movies. Fantastic. So if you like this podcast and would like to please join us for the rest of Spooky Month, you can go to mollymovieclub.com and check it out. Uh, until next week when I watch Psycho for the first time. That's right. Uh, I'm Casey Miratori. And I'm Anna Redbird. And we'll see you next time. Bye.